This is episode 31 of One Page at a Time. Show me the money. Bunnies. Talking finances with kids with Cinders McLeod. In this episode, we talk about Cinders' series of children's books about money, how they came to be, what makes them so delightful, and how we can use them to start sometimes tough conversations about money with the children in our lives. Also, just a reminder that this is an interview we recorded before COVID-19 interrupted all our lives, so if we talk about the world the way it was before everything shut down, that is why. This is Jill in Virginia. And Amanda in Dubai. We are here to help you read more often. Read at home. Read at school. Read with your kids. Read with your spouse. Read aloud. Read faster. Just read. We dig through the data, gather the anecdotes, and chat with the experts who can tell you why and how you should make books a bigger part of your life. We're on this journey along with you, bringing people and reading together, one page at a time. Today's guest is both author and illustrator, creator of the social comment book and comic strip Broomy Law, and is a rare bird and pioneer as a female political cartoonist. Her illustrations have appeared in The Guardian, The Express, The Observer, The Independent, pretty much any paper that has the in front of it, and on CBC television. Her work has been recognized by the Society for New Design, the National Magazine Awards, the National Newspaper Awards, and the Guinness Book of Records, which I would love to hear more about later in the interview. <laughs> she was born in Canada, which made me happy to read her books on I Read Canadian Day. Her artistic talents extend to musicality, and she plays the double bass and is a singer-songwriter with a CD. I'm thrilled to cover today's topic of teaching your children financial concepts using her absolutely wonderful picture book series called The Money Bunnies. Welcome, Cinders McLeod. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We're grateful to have you with us. And before we dive into the interview, I really want to know, tell me about the Guinness Book of Records. Okay. <laughs> when I was living in London in the 80s and 90s, there was a great, a very healthy comic scene there. And someone decided to do a, the longest comic strip in the world. So I did two panels in that longest comic strip. So I was part of the group who created the longest comic strip, which gave us a Guinness Book of Records. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was a zoo. <laughs> I'm sure. All right. Well, we are so excited to talk about a complicated topic like finances in a way that makes it a little bit friendlier to all of us. So for a little bit of context, can you tell us about the Money Bunny series? I also hear there's a fourth book coming out soon. So feel free to throw that in there I too. I will. I will. Indeed. So yes, this series began a long time ago when I was a child. There wasn't a lot of talking in my home, so I had to figure out a lot of things for myself. And money became one of my big silent ponders. Yeah, I went to a school out of district for their music program, and most of my friends were from wealthier families. And my isolated childhood logic figured it must be because there were better people. So fast forward a bunch of years... And I was working at one of Canada's national newspapers. I noticed an influx of articles during the 2007-2008 financial crisis about the importance of teaching kids about money. And that got me thinking about some of the misconceptions I had developed when I was a kid. So I did some research and discovered there were no books on basic money ideas for kids. Maths, but not basic money ideas. So I left my newspaper to focus on a series of books that could help kids navigate the world of money. Because I wanted to write the books that I could have really done with when I was a kid. We are so grateful that you have pursued this and that you've started writing these books. They're absolutely wonderful. Can you tell me the three books that are here now and just kind of a really quick summary of what they're about and then the upcoming one as well? Absolutely. So there are four in the series 
so far. And there is an order to them as well, kind of an order of life. But you know, you can read them in whatever order you choose. But I wrote them in this order. First one's called Earn It. What I try to do with the dedications in each book is give a kind of a clue of the teachings that come with each book. So in Earn It, the teaching is pride and independence and spend it, it's choice and wisdom and save it, it's planning and patience and in Give It, the mysterious fourth book coming out in September, the lesson is love and gratitude. So in Earn It, Bun thinks she wants to be rich and famous. Okay, I'm reading to your kids now. Will that happen overnight? No! Will she have to earn it? Yes! Bonus lesson. Also include delayed gratification and personal responsibility. And then the main lesson in Spend It is that spending is about making choices dependent on how much money we have and what's really important to us. The main lesson in Save It is Honey works out how to create a budget and make her dream come true without missing out on simple pleasures. And then the fourth book, coming out in September, is called Give It. And I love Give It. Not that I don't love the others, but I have a real soft spot for Chummy. He learns the value of giving. I can't reveal too much about this until it's out, but maybe helping to save the world requires a little more thought and effort than simply donning a superhero costume. Mm. Oh, I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I love that these books are very inclusive in, in the fact that they appeal to people across the globe. The mm. currency is carrots. Mm -hmm. And that's just everyone can speak the currency of carrots. I also love that there's diversity between the books that allow for each family to be able to connect in a way that that resonates with their system that they either want to have or that they have already in place. As a parent of young kids, I've been watching family and friends keenly the last year or two to see what they do. Mm -hmm. to teach their children about how to use money, kind of the systems they have in place. And it seems to be across the board. Some offer allowance, some buy everything for their kids and give no money. Some pay for chores or housework. Some do some, you know, random configuration of all of these things. The sky's the limit, seemingly. And I love that each of the Money Bunny books reflect this diversity in approaches. Can you tell us a little bit about that between the books? Well, I've, I've learned a lot. Like I had my two wonderful children and did my best teaching them about money. One of my favorite things was when a commercial would come on TV when they were very young, I would shout out, what do they want? And they would answer, our money. So we had um, we had fun moments learning about money together. But since doing these books, I've been uh, become a lot more aware of the different methods parents have with their kids because they share it with me. And I'm so grateful about that. So I am aware and sensitive to and respectful of the fact that different families are approach the subject of money in different ways. So my intention isn't to tell parents how to do it, but just to get the conversation started. For example, some families believe it's okay to teach the concept of earning by paying their children for the jobs they do in their home. And others feel all home work goes towards the good of family and shouldn't be monetized. And some linger somewhere in between, like jobs like cleaning one's room aren't monetized, but jobs above and beyond are. And I kind of like that place because... I think it teaches responsibility and love, love for your family, their care. But these considerations aside, if you'd rather not raise a term I, I branded uh, entitlement ban,
bandits. Best to teach a wee ones that money must be earned, doesn't just magically appear from a hole in the wall or a handbag. And the whole idea of carrots is, as you said, the, the international currency. And that was partly it. So it could cross borders. These books could cross borders without any difficulties. But also I wanted to get away from nickel and diming and focus on the big concepts with the currency of the currency of carrots. And um, the big big concepts are earning, spending, saving and giving, not counting individual countries' currency. Yeah, these big concepts, they are really big that the overall idea of money trading things of different worth is something that's very difficult for adults to grasp how to implement that in their lives in a healthy way. And the fact that we are trying to help our children learn that is no easy task either. I love especially that the tone of these books is not one of greediness or any sort of search for lucrative um, substance gain. In fact, in the lead up to our conversation, you had said that the goal is not financial wealth. The goal is happiness. And this really speaks to me, especially considering your personal history with finances. So as we are reading as parents with our children, or perhaps I have been imagining that that sort of intimate reality is where these conversations would take place, but perhaps it could be at a school or at a library or something. But what do you imagine the conversations to look like that parents or caregivers have with the children after they read one of these books or hopefully all of them? Oh, big question. Well, the main thing is I'm hoping parents will talk with their kids about money. And the Money Bunny books are great guides because they, they are there to jump from. And each of these areas, as many parents are no doubt already aware, can have jars to accompany them. You know, you earn, you spend, you give, you save jar. And on my website, you can actually download sticker art so you can put them on your jars and make your own jars. The big question is at what age do you start the conversation? And my answer is, I think like with anything, you wait till children ask you about something on the whole. You wait. Sometimes you have to tell them about things beforehand, but you wait till they ask you about something so you know they're ready for the answer. But once they do start asking questions, do start that conversation about money. Kids are smart. They will look up things. They will Google things if you don't tell them. And kids are sensitive and they worry. And sometimes when they ask questions, for example, like, are we poor? What they're really asking is, are we okay? Do I have anything to worry about? So it's it's our job to reassure them. So yeah, talk about money. As uh, Mr. Rogers, our beloved Mr. Rogers says, anything that is mentionable is manageable. Because if kids don't grasp these ideas when they're young, they'll flounder later, like astronauts cut loose in cyberspace. But here's the good news. There are these books to help parents out as a plug. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I wholly endorse these. Um, money is something that I shy away from personally. I, I'm not a numbers person. I'm not a money person. And these books are just absolutely fantastic to start the conversation in a way that makes it easy to have kids start to practice with these concepts. And the earlier you can start doing that, you know, the better, in my opinion, as the, the number of carrots that they receive is smaller and the things that they want to purchase with their carrots don't have as big of consequences attached to them as when they're older and suddenly more carrots and larger Mm -hmm. prizes are on the horizon. So these books really do fill a gap that existed when I was a child. And I'm still struggling with budgeting as an adult. I feel like these four books together really combine into a solid foundation for budgeting. A little earlier in our conversation, you mentioned that some parents have given you feedback on money bunnies. I would love to hear just keep inserting plug after plug, but <laughs> I 
I feel like these books are so incredibly helpful to me. And so I would love to hear some feedback that you've gotten from parents. Thank you, Amanda. So kind, really kind. Well, I get a lot of feedback, mostly from parents, but some from kids and obviously teachers and librarians. I was just recently down for the American Association of School Librarians Conference, Louisville, Kentucky, and the librarians were thrilled the books were there because apparently it is now on the younger school curriculum. Like bit by bit, it's gone on the high school curriculum and then a little bit lower, a little bit lower, but now it's actually on the primary school curriculum. And they were saying, we had no books and then yours appeared. And so they're very grateful, which was very heartwarming. But children, one great message I recently received from a mum said her son would spend his allowance at the dollar store on weekends but then mum read him save it and the next weekend when they went to the dollar store he didn't see anything he wanted so he announced he was going to save his money for something he really wanted and when she told me that I burst into tears because you kind of work in isolation anybody does like you know creating books for children and and you kind of sometimes forget perhaps you know why you're doing it and moments like this just re- remind you why you do your 12-hour shifts and and just work and work and work because you're putting it towards something that could make a difference in people's lives and like when I used to yearn to be a political cartoonist but found it was a very difficult world for women to break into well, I was very sad that I couldn't break into that world because I, I wanted through my social comment cartoons to help the world. But I think fate directed me towards something probably more important, which is helping children get a good start at having better lives and helping them feel better about themselves and their choices. If I can do that, that's big magic. I agree. And I think that you are doing that with these books. They just truly are. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, Cinders, is there anything that we have missed that you'd like to talk a little bit more about or go back to? Maybe, because I was, I, I was thinking about the whole thing about using humor and using images with these books. And I think we don't want to scare our beloved little ones. We don't want to scare them. So I feel what the Money Bunnies books do because of my past history of being a cartoonist is they use humor and they use happy friendly cartoons to help get the ideas across in a, in a kind and fun way and if I hadn't been a cartoonist I don't think I would have had such a grasp on that and the other thing about cartoons is they capture the essence of a crisis with an economy of words and pictures and so I think that's what the money bunnies do is they tell the story of money to kids in a very accessible way. I agree and I think that the illustration illustrations and the humor that you're talking about applies just as much to the adults as well. I'm thinking about in Spend It. Sunny Bunny is breaking leaves with his mom and just the back and forth is so realistic of what a child and his mom would look like engaged in a conversation. You know, he really wants to spend his money on all of these things, but the mom is, you know, working him through step by step. And there's a level of patience that all of us aspire to in our parenting. And she's just, okay, well, let's, let's think about this. If you want to spend your carrots, you don't have enough carrots to buy very expensive things. Yes. The the bouncy (laughs) castle that costs, what is it? 900 and something carrots. And he gawks at that and his expression, the mother's expressions, just the interaction in general is so well scripted it's funny it's true it's it gives such a good idea of what these conversations can look like and very relatable for both the adults and the child in the situation so i i think that you are spot on with 
being able to apply the things that you've learned from cartoons and apply it into um, these books to help. And my children. <laughs> those are the, com- I see my, my, <laughs> my, my children in many of those interactions, like, like how they would respond and how I had to keep quiet and to, as you said, take them through stuff and take them back to a place where they could uh, form a decision. And that's actually one of the things, and thank you, Amanda, that was a lovely way of describing it. One of the things um, I try to do with all these books is have the, the graphic page. The graphics is what they call in newspapers, the graphic page where you have your chart of, you know, how much things cost, how many carrots the bunny has. And it's my, I call it my quiet working out pages. When I'm reading the book to a group of children, I'll stop and say, now this this page, we have to be quiet and we have to kind of work our way through it. It takes a bit more time than the other pages. And what I try to tell the children by doing that is sometimes just take some time out and think it through. There's no rush. Just think it through and make the right choices. Think in graphics. That's what I'm trying to say. Think in accounts books for children. Think in graphics and you'll work it out. What a good tip as you're reading with your kids to do that to stop and to just really look at it. For those unfamiliar with the books, there are some charts in each of the books that show it, it really is a visual depiction of a spreadsheet or um, what a child may may graph out or chart out as they're looking toward their different goals. So in Spend It, you know, how many carrots does each item cost and how many in save it you know how how many weeks does it take and you know there are lots of adorable carrot drawings in these really well planned out and thought out graphs so it's a very helpful thing well before we go to a question that's a little bit off base from money bunnies i wanted to ask jill if you have any questions that we that we missed i do have a quick one that just is kind of self-serving but if I'm in this situation, then I'm sure others are too. Listening to you talk about using the book and having conversations with your kids, I just, I love that thought and that image so much. And we use books so much in my family that that is a very natural way for me to have conversations, except I don't have curious kids. Like my kids don't ask me questions about life very often and they don't, we read books and they just take them at face value. Like, oh my gosh, that's a really cool world where bunnies use carrots as money. Okay, let's move on with our lives. Like they just, they don't think about it and apply it to their lives naturally, which is understandable. They're kids. But I just, in recent times, I've been realizing, I think these sort of more difficult conversations, I think I might need to instigate them more than I thought I would as a mom. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts or even experiences with your own kids about using these books where it's more parent initiated rather than answering questions that children come up with themselves. Yeah, sure. Something I've been working on is I call it my my private money bunny diary keep out and uh it's it's like we were talking about earlier the the, it's like an accounts book and so in the book you can download it on my my site www.moneybunnies.com i think it's on the free stuff you can sit down with them and have this little booklet and work out okay what are the things you know you might like to do to earn some money or and and then you could talk about different jobs in the house maybe outside the house garden you have and then start to list like you know how many carrots do I have what do I want to spend it on and so you can work through them with this little very simple workbook to help them see like for me I wish I had had that when I was a kid too because I, I had to learn how to do accounts when I was being a freelancer and it was a big step for me because secret out is I'm slightly numerically dyslexic and and I was never good with maths I was always like the arts person but uh 
these little helpers, it's, it's so simple. It's just, it's just little books which just help walk you through, okay, so what next? And then what next? So that might be a way of taking what they've read in the book to actually applying it in a way that they can see that they can work with that they can apply to their own life it's actually really inspiring because i'm not a numbers person either i'm not a math person my accountant father is deeply ashamed of that part of me but <laughs> it just it makes me feel good knowing that you have not only figured it out but you've written books about it like winnowed it down to these kind of core ideas that can help me as a mom get it straight in my own head before i present it to my kids to hopefully okay. give them a better foundation than me so jill here's the thing i think mums it's very interesting because from when I do my readings, when I go to bookshops to sign books, a lot of mums are the ones who I hear are giving their kids the lessons. I'm not saying that dads don't, but mums do a lot of work with their kids in very simple ways and teach them. And it, and it kind of put me back to my life. I didn't have a, I don't have a degree in economics. My degree is actually in filmmaking and um, arts. I learned a lot from being a mum, a single mum, a cartoonist, a freelancer. So I call that my homemade homemade degree in economics and I hang it high upon my wall, metaphorically speaking, because I'm really proud of what I, I learned in my life because I had to. And if I can share that, the little things I learned with children, I mean, then maybe I can help them skip a few steps. I'm really glad that you're sharing it because I Yay. love it and I love the book. <laughs> Thank you, Jill. As much as we love Money Bunnies, I have sort of a spinoff not related to Money Bunnies question for you, Cinders. Spin <laughs> away. One of the things that Jill and I were curious about, since you are a cartoonist and we have not spoken with a cartoonist yet, is if you have any thoughts about cartoon books, such as, you know, we'll go with a kind of a gold standard here of Calvin and Hobbes mm. that are compiled into a book. Do you have any, any thoughts on those? <laughs> Well, first of all, Calvin and Hobbes on the wall by my computer is a clip of the very last Calvin and Hobbes. Let's go exploring. I love Calvin and Hobbes, so that's a good start. <laughs> I guess what I should say first, top of the list, is the content. If the content is bad in any book, whether it be word or word and picture, comic book, then it's not a good book. If it's, if it's teaching the wrong things to kids, it's not a good book, whether it has pictures or not. But obviously, I, I was a cartoonist, and I really love cartooning and love cartoons, but I did realize which was a bit of a shock when I went into the world of newspapers, both both in Britain and in Canada, that there was definitely a strata between um, word and image. And I was on the lower, I was on the lower level. So um, when I worked in newspapers, I realized how important it was what we did, even more so, despite the conceptions of us being lesser than the word people. Because uh, like we often wrote the best headlines, both the best decks, cut lines, designed and mapped and illustrated the written pieces so people would read it. So we were, they weren't just reading the words, they were reading the whole package. And that's when I kind of worked out like, yeah, the visual always gives a whole other layer of information to a story. And there are, I have heard the argument with children reading books that are cartoon books or heavy with visual, with imagery, that they're not imagining their own pictures. I totally understand that. But I think what we have to do as parents is always look at our children and let them inform us. So if a child is reading a lot of books without pictures, then they probably have this world they're inventing in their head, visual world. They don't need the help of pictures. But there's some children that do find reading with pictures helps them understand the story. And so those are the, the, the children who would pick 
the books with images. Does that make sense to you? It does. And it also illustrates the rise in popularity for graphic novels Indeed. as well. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I'm glad to see that because the way I see it is that word and text are like good sisters. They work together and not one's not better than the other. And I've always worked with both and always enjoyed working with both. So I see, personally, I see children's books that are, well, or comic books, good comic books as nothing but good. Wonderful. Well, thank you very, very much. Where can we find out more about you, Cinders McLeod and Money Bunnies? So there is a website and I'm afraid it's not updated because I worked so hard on Give It. That took up all my time. I need I need a secretary. <laughs> but there is a website, www.moneybunnies, as a plural, moneybunnies.com. And that tells a little bit about the books. And there is also a not updated blog. I promise I will get to it. And there is a free stuff, which I was mentioning earlier, page where you can download things like stickers and coloring in pages. So black and white, you can children can color in. Yes. And that money diary is there. So that's a very valuable resource. Well, thank you very, very much, Cinders, for your time, for your books, for your thoughts. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, listeners. Thank you so much. All right. Before we dive into the meat of things, I just have to say that I have read all her books. We have checked them out from the library at least two times now, and they are delightful. They are whimsical. They are adorable and they are just so great. So before anything else or, or, you know, aside from anything else, they're just amazing, awesome books. And I'm so excited about Give It. I just, I can't wait. Yes, me too. (laughs) Well, I really also appreciate the dedications before the books. And Cinders mentions this in the interview and it kind of went right over my head until I sat down with my five-year-old and was able to read the dedication and hone right in on guiding principles to help me explain earning and saving and such. And these are really hard concepts and I'm pretty sure they're difficult no matter what age or stage of life that you are in. We can look around and find adults all around us who, and maybe we ourselves, I can point at myself and say this too, that we can look around and see lots of problems with the way that people deal with money. And I feel like there's a lot of flexibility in how we teach these and how we ourselves live them. But I also know myself and my kids well enough to know that I am likely to miss the foundational pieces like patience and saving. I would naturally just skip to thinking in my head that I, as the quote, governor in this stage of life, just need to sort of force the habit of saving on my children, and then they'll figure out its worth when they're older and they have to dip into their savings for their first emergency. But that's not really doing the virtue of patience any justice. Independence instead of satisfaction, love instead of obligation or whatever. And how different would our focus be if I'm able to teach these as the foundation rather than merely a habit or something that, you know, you'll link me later for this sort of an idea? 
I love those thoughts. And thinking back while you were saying it, I really think that that's maybe part of what was missing in my own growing up. And my parents are amazing. I have no big issues with my raising, but you know, nobody's perfect. And and we definitely had, or I definitely had some struggles. And so I hadn't really thought about teaching my kids about money until you told me about these books by Cinders, Amanda. And I checked them all out the library to prep for the interview. And I was just so pleasantly surprised at how not painful they are. And that doesn't sound like high praise. But for me, when it comes to thinking about and talking about money, it is really high praise. So I like I was saying how I think there were a few things maybe that I missed along the way when learning about money growing up. And I've had conversations with several of my sisters lately about some of the financial mistakes we all made in our late teens and early 20s and the lessons we had to learn the hard way. And that's even with having an accountant for a father. And I know that I'm not going to be perfect myself when it comes to teaching my kids about finances. But I'm starting to see that it maybe could be a little bit easier and more accessible than I thought it would be. And I have a hard time believing that you and I and Cinders are the only ones who have had this. It's just such a struggle for so many people. And I I do think that it might be because we don't learn the associated values attached with these principles. And especially with recent global events, I hear you. There's really no reason to not teach our kids about finances to spare them, hopefully, from making the same mistakes we ourselves make. And it it doesn't necessarily have to be this, uh, well, you know, you have to do it to learn from it. I feel like that's kind of the common practice often with money, you know, give kids a little bit of money and they'll figure it out as they go sort of a a thing. But, you know, why why wouldn't we talk to our kids? (laughs) about it. I I don't know. We were in the same situation that you and Cinders talks about it too, that it wasn't really talked about in our family. And we have a wonderful family as well. And my husband and I have had many conversations about the importance of being financially literate and independent. And this can most certainly start whenever we want to learn it ourselves or teach our children. So I need to tell everyone about how our daughter started really reading Money Bunnies. There are some books that I feel you should have on hand from an early age so that whenever your child is ready to talk about that subject, you have a conversation outline complete with a presentation in the form of a picture book already vetted and at your disposal. And sexual health, I feel, is one of these topics. Our interview with Martha Brokenbro about Santa also falls into this category. And I'm continually broadening this bucket. And now money bunnies and (laughs) finances are included as well. For sure. (laughs) My oldest, who's five, surprised us a couple weeks ago when she woke us up to tell us she's making lemonade at oh dark 30 in the morning. And we kind of rolled over and drifted back to sleep after I made sure she was keeping everyone safe and our youngest was still happy in his crib far away from whatever lemonade adventures might be going on. I didn't even know what this was because it was the first time any, any, well, anyway, so she not only actually made, she did make lemonade, but she not only made the lemonade cut open a lemon, squeeze the juice into a pitcher of water, put in just a slice of sugar, (laughs) whatever that means. It's adorable. I want to remember it forever. So she not only made it, but then she priced it. She wrote a a sign that said five dirhams, which is the local currency here, and said we had to pay her for each glass. (laughs) She was going off a Daniel Tiger episode where Daniel, Prince Tuesday, make lemonade for lemonade stand. Anyway, this catapulted us into a deep discussion about material sourcing, wage costs, supply demand, worth of your time, etc. Wow. We were already, and this is 
breakfast time too. So, I mean, I'm pretty impressed that we were doing this, yeah, but like right off the bat. Yeah. Being woken up to a lemonade stand, but we were already doing a basic setup of extra chores, earning some money. I'd been thinking about doing a sort of allowance with her. This is just one of those things I'd never gotten around to talking about though. So when her quarantine style lemonade stand was staring me in the face, <laughs> I was able to sit down with her, pull out money bunnies to keep the momentum she clearly had. And we've now been using the resources from the money bunny website, which are perfect for around probably like age five to nine, I'm guessing. And I know that if I did not have a picture book series to talk about money and math, I would not naturally go there since it's a really hard topic for me, especially with my learning disability. Then when her class, she's in kindergarten, started their unit on money and learning about coin and bill values, she was well prepped. She was able to focus on the mathematical concepts of adding and subtracting in three different currencies, not including the universal <laughs> carrot currency, of course. Of course. But all because <laughs> she already knew about ascribing value saving, counting, choosing things. These are making lessons easier for us. I see absolutely no downside to these wonderful books. They're just fantastic. And I can see it with my five-year-old. I love that. Both as an adorable memory and definitely one you want to remember forever. And it is now recorded in the podcast. So you really will be able to remember it forever. But I love it that it's also this clear sign that you and she were ready to start talking about these things and start putting them into practice a little bit in her life. I know that my oldest is probably definitely ready as well. But like I said in the interview, I'm pretty sure the conversation is going to have to come from me, at least to start it. I talked about all the times we've checked out Cinder's books from the library. So my kids are familiar with the stories and the awesome characters. And so when we do start the conversations, when I am mentally ready to dive in, I think we're going to be in a great place to start them. And I'm just so grateful that you reached out to Cinder's and were able to connect with her because this was a great interview. We were so excited about it when we first chatted with her early this year and we're just as excited about it now. Hopefully some of you are just as excited as we are about it and feel a little bit more confident about your children's futures. So check out her books, check out her website, and while you're checking out websites, go ahead and jump on ours. We've been working on it and tweaking it and trying to make it more user-friendly, so feel free to check it out. One, that's spelled out, O-N-E, pagepodcast.com. And if you have any tips or anything you would like to see, there's a contact form right on there or I guess I should say anything you want to hear since we're a podcast. So please reach out to us. You can get that contact right from our website. And in the meantime, we'll talk to you soon.